1: But one of the things that made such an impact on Jim was when we went to Romania and we were able to go into one of the detention centres there and they were young, tough boys that had done all types of different crimes. And Jim got up to give his testimony and these young, tough boys that walked into the room ended up in tears and crying and crying on Jim's shoulder.
0: G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, last time we heard Jimmy McMillan share his story of being abused as a young boy, but then going on to help others after becoming a Christian and writing his experiences down. Sadly, just a few months after that interview was recorded, Jimmy contracted asbestos-related cancer, and after a short battle, he eventually passed away. Today, his wife, Lynn, will join us to pay tribute to her late husband and share with us about the incredible impact he's had on so many people's lives. Lynn McMillan is chatting with Eric Scatabo. Lynn, welcome
2: to the program.
1: Thank you. It's great to be here.
2: Glad to have you with us, Lynn. And I'm sad to say I wish this was under better circumstances that we were chatting. I'm so sorry for your loss.
1: Thank you.
2: Could you please share with us what happened to Jimmy since he and I last spoke?
1: Yeah, um, he was diagnosed with mesophilioma, which is the asbestos cancer. And um, it took him very quickly. Uh, He was only diagnosed basically two months before he passed away. Wow. And it really, really took him very, very quickly. Um, Very insidious disease that has. there's nothing really they can do for.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And if I remember correctly, a year ago he was tested for... Illnesses and they found nothing, is that right?
1: Yeah, they'd done all sorts of tests. They'd done biopsies, blood tests, CT scans, everything, and not everything come back negative.
2: Wow, and so even though he had that asbestos in his system, somehow it, it came back negative?
1: Yeah, nothing showed up posi- the, of a definite nature. They suspected it, but they couldn't get a positive diagnosis. Mm-hmm until about two months before he went in for another check. And they found that the left lung wasn't working at all. It was not functioning at all. And they did another biopsy and it came back positive and it had basically almost taken over the whole lung. Um, he was still working. I don't know how he was still working with just one lung.
2: He's a painter.
1: Yes, up and down ladders, yeah. caver- carrying heavy paint pots. Yeah everything moving big ladders moving scaffolding oh wow everything he was still doing until probably about only about 3 weeks before he was diagnosed
2: so how did he know something was wrong
1: it was the difficulty of breathing mm-hmm. and he had some pain in his left side and it was but he just worked through it which he always did he was tough the nice kind of stubborn <laughs> um, he just kept kept going Yeah, He was the hardest working man I've ever known. Hmm. Uh, I remember young men going and working with him and saying, we can't keep up with him.
2: Wow. So obviously in his younger days he worked with asbestos.
1: Yes, yes. It shows through from probably, it can take up to 30 years to come out. Um, So it just sits there and once it appears, it's unstoppable really.
2: Yeah, so here he was working hard, manual labor, up till three weeks before he was diagnosed. And then yeah. boom, and then, well, w- share with us what happened after that.
0: Um,
1: well, he was h- home and he gradually went down every day. I watched him go down further and further each day. Hmm. Um, he lost approximately 45 kilos in weight. Wow almost skin and bone by the time he passed away. Uh, it was so difficult to see what it did to him, but he still had a smile on his face.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: He still enjoyed sharing with people and talking to people, especially the young people. Um, we, we deal with the young people at our church, and we used to pick them up for use on a Friday night in the bus.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was only... About three weeks before he went into hospital, that he stopped driving the bus.
2: He was still driving even though his health was deteriorating.
1: Yeah, he was still driving the bus, still picking them up. Um, he was really an incredible man, and he thought about everybody else and not himself.
2: Well, wow. and there's a photo mm-hmm. on Facebook from you told me just three days before he passed with him in the hospital bed looking very frail, surrounded by 15 young people, and he's giving two thumbs up.
1: Yeah, yeah. And some of those young people have actually written stuff up for him. One was an 18-year-old, and he was there. And it said, Sadly today my friend, mentor, father figure, brother in Christ, has gone to be with the Lord. He undoubtedly is one of the most generous, kind hearted, pure, humorous, loving souls I know. Anyone who knew this amazing man would say that he had changed their life. In many ways, no matter what situation I was in, he never failed to raise my spirits and moods through his cheekiness and happiness. <laughs> I'm so glad I have known this incredible man, and I will never forget the lessons, words, and blessings. He spoke over me. That's from one of the 18-year-olds.
2: Wow. And he mentions Jimmy's cheekiness. I can see from the photo. He he liked to have a good time.
1: He liked to have a good time. He was always cheeky, always stirring people up.
2: <laughs> yeah, in a good um, way.
1: Yes, and always causing trouble in a good <laughs> way as well.
2: So what take us to his final moments.
1: His final moments, um, the day before they were looking at sending him home. And I was rushing, trying to get a house that he could come home to. Mm -hmm. And then that was at 6 o'clock in the nighttime. And the next morning at about 10 to 6, they called me and said he was non-responsive. So I had his brother over here from Kalgoorlie and my granddaughter with me at the house. So we all went down to the hospital. And I walked in and I... Put my hand on him and grabbed his hand, and I said, "What are you doing? You're frightening everybody." <laughs> and he opened his eyes and gave me a bit of a eyebrow up, and um, never spoke the whole day. Never spoke, but we we were all around; all the family were around, and we were playing music, um, just Christian music on a loop. And about fifteen minutes before he passed away, it got stuck on "Amazing Grace." And it just kept playing it, and people were saying it's playing it again. And then I felt I don't even know the feeling I felt, and I saw that he was in trouble. So I rushed up to the top of the bed and I put my hand on his chest to make sure he was breathing. And it was really shallow. And I was able, God gave me the privilege of being able to send him on his way. I told him I loved him, um, I told him that he knew I was looked after, and that God was waiting. And as he took that last breath, the words of amazing grace come up that said, my chains have gone, I've been set free. And it was like a confirmation to me that he was in God's hands. And that's why I can, I can speak like that. That's why I can help people and do things mm. because yep. I had the privilege from God of being able to almost hand him over.
2: Wow. So, I mean, mean, that gives you tremendous peace and strength in the midst of uh, a very difficult thing to go through.
1: Yes, yes. But he was so peaceful that whole day. He'd been in so much pain for the past two months, and he was so peaceful that day. Hmm. It was just the whole room. You could feel it in the whole room that there was just peace there. And I am so grateful to God for that.
0: You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scatterbo is chatting with Lynn McMillan, who was the wife of our guest, Jimmy McMillan, who sadly passed away just a few months after the interview with him was recorded. Lynn is giving us an update on what happened. And next, Lynn will share about the impact Jimmy had on people's lives. That and more... We're continuing with Eric Scadabo chatting with Lynn McMillan, who was the wife of our guest, Jimmy McMillan, who, sadly, has passed away. Next, Lynn will share more about Jimmy's life and the impact he's had on others. But first, we're going to find out a little about Lynn's story as well.
1: I grew up in inner Sydney, mm-hmm. in a little suburb called Newtown,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and there was just my mum and dad and my sister, and... I grew up a Catholic
3: mm-hmm.
1: and life went on. I went through Catholic school, high school, ladies' college, and then I worked. I got married. I had three children. Um, my middle son um, passed away at nine days old. And then when my daughter was only about five months old, I found out that my husband had um, a whole nother family and... The marriage broke down. It was irreconcilable.
2: Wow! So he was living a double life. He actually had another wife. Is that what you're saying?
1: Well, he yeah, he had another partner. Oh, okay, yeah. And um, he he'd had three children to her. Um, the last one was born a month after our daughter was born. Wow! And um, it was devastating. But I had my mum, and. There were my brother-in-law. My sister um, was living in New Zealand. She was married to a Kiwi, mm-hmm. and my brother-in-law had sent Jim over to stay with my mother.
2: Oh, so your brother-in-law knew Jimmy in New Zealand?
1: Yeah, my sister oh, okay. and my brother-in-law knew them. They lived in the same town. Oh, okay, and they knew Jim's mother. It was it was them that sent him over to stay with my mum. But it didn't stop there. My mum ended up with about four of the guys from over in New Zealand boarding with her for short periods of time. But Jim was the one that stayed the longest. He, he was there most of the time. He looked after my mum and dad, and they looked after him.
2: Yeah, he shared that uh, he kind of became the son that they never had.
1: That's right. Yes, he did. And um, when my marriage broke down, I was there with two children and back then, it's, it was difficult to have, you know, be a solo mom with no income. Mm-hmm. And my mom looked after the children, and I went back to work where I'd been working before I got married. And Jim was always there. He was just that best friend. Mm-hmm. And that best friend involved into my husband.
2: So seven um, years, if I remember correctly, he shared that about seven years after your marriage broke down. I mean, he he was yeah, well, a witness to the deterioration of your marriage. Yes, Is that right?
1: Yes, he was. He was a witness to it all. Um, he saw what had happened, and he 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 knew he knew the hurt that I had, mm-hmm. and it turned me away from the church. I won't say it turned me away from God because I think I always talk to God, mm-hmm. but it turned me away from the church. And for many years, I searched. For that faith with God, that that place where I could belong, mm-hmm. but then something happened, and it was a catalyst to kind of wake me up and make me realise where I'd gone wrong in that path that I'd taken.
2: Yeah, Jimmy shared that your son had a friend who was a pastor, and that kind of started yeah, things.
1: Yeah, um, they went to went to school together. Mm-hmm. They become great friends, and later on in in Ted's life, he became a, a pastor
3: mm-hmm.
1: and um, so I had to call him when our son was moving to Canada with the family because um, we were having a farewell party. Yeah. And while I was talking to Ted on the phone, which, mind you, took me about three weeks to make the phone call because there was something within me that knew um, God was pushing me towards this
3: mm.
1: and When I'd finished the conversation about the farewell party, um, words come out of my mouth that said, Ted, I have to talk to you about something. And I have no idea where those words come from. Yeah. Just come out of my mouth. And Ted couldn't have known what I was talking about, but he said, praise the Lord, I've been praying for years. Wow. Within the next day I went down and I was born again right there in his office.
2: Wow. So you, you gave your heart to the Lord? And then Jimmy eventually did.
1: Well, you know, I'd prayed for Jim for years, and it was eight months, and Jim gave his heart to the Lord, and he just gave it wholly and solely to God. Mm -hmm. It was, the transformation was amazing. From that point, he picked the Bible up, and he read it every day. Wow. Every single day of his life. Um, When I packed everything up at the hospital, I found his Bible and he always read Proverbs every day, as sick as he was. He was still reading his Bible. Mm. And I think that's the thing that gave him the strength.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: With everything that he'd gone through in his younger years, the Bible really gave him his strength. And as I listened to the interview you did with him, I thought about, Al, when we got married, and he never spoke in front of people. He never, never gave your know, speeches. And at our wedding, he stood up and said, "Thank you for coming," and that was it. <laughs> that was his. <laughs> speech. A few words. <laughs> yeah, that was all he said. And I was, I was actually blown away with his interview with what he did, because it, it showed how much he'd grown.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: in his life because of God.
2: Yep. Now let's talk about, at some point he got the courage to write down about his childhood and the sexual abuse that he went through. Do you remember that?
1: Yes, I do. I do. Um, He had it all over the place. He had current times and everything mixed everywhere. It wasn't in order. So I started to put it in order and in the proper words Mm -hmm. because back then he still wasn't writing or reading fantastic. Mm -hmm. So I put it all together and it took me so long because as I was reading it and putting it together, I realized so much of it I didn't know that he didn't talk about.
2: Yeah, so you were learning about his childhood and the sexual abuse for the first time when you were reading what he wrote.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and things that went on just in his childhood, you know, our grandson said to him one day, Pop, we've got to ask our grandfather what toys they had when they were my age. And he kind of put it off and I said to him, why aren't you telling him? He said, because I didn't have any. Hmm. And that broke my heart. And I said to him, I said, well, what did you do? And he said, We used to get a stick and make a fishing rod and I said, Well tell him. That's all he wants to know. Yeah. Th- they were things that I didn't I didn't know. I didn't know that there were no toys. I didn't know that there were no there was no real love in mm. the family. Yeah. Their mother loved them but she was restricted because of the abuse. Mm-hmm. And she was a wonderful woman. Her and I became Really good friends. Really mm. good friends.
2: And the amazing thing is, after everything Jimmy was through in his troubled childhood, he easily could have kind of played the victim card. Oh, woe is me. I'm bitter and angry at the world and just kind of lived in that bitterness. But yet he put his faith in the Lord, forgave his father, yes. and went on to be a light, a joy to other people. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. He he even before he found God, he was still this wonderful man that would take the shirt off his back and give it to you.
3: Mm.
1: and that was that was in him and where that came from, I don't know, knowing what he went through in his childhood, but he was he had such a kind, gentle, loving heart. Mm-hmm. And I think he consciously, when he left New Zealand, he consciously left all that sadness mm. and pain and abuse behind him. And he just loved people and loved helping people. Mm-hmm.
2: Now let's wrap up our time talking about the impact that Jimmy had on other people's lives. You mentioned a tribute that one young person, an 18-year-old person, paid to Jimmy earlier. Do you have some more examples yep. of People are sharing about the impact Jimmy had on their lives.
1: Yeah, I do. This is a young girl. She says, today heaven received a man like no other, Jim McMillan. So thankful for the impact and relationship I had with you and the love and joy you gave. You were a man like no other, such a giving spirit, loving heart, and cheeky nature. That cheeky always comes up.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like it.
1: Thank you for becoming a massive part of my life and accepting and taking in my family and I. I will forever be thankful to call you family. Hmm. I love this man and cherish his memories and selfies forever. He was uh, once he learned how to do selfies, he was a selfie king. <laughs> um I mean, have we got time for so- another?
2: Yeah, but first let me just say that it sounds yep. like Because of everything he went through, he could relate to the problems that other young people were going through, even though at this point he was past middle age.
1: Yeah, definitely. There's another one. This is a family that moved over here from America. um, And this is the dad. And he says, wow, what a day today has been. Heaven is rejoicing for gaining an incredible man. I have been grieving because I have lost a very good friend. Jimmy has been a very big part of my life. The day I left the USA to move to Australia in 2006, I lost my dad. It was a very hard and difficult time for my family and I. Shortly after we relocated, Jim and Lynn took it upon themselves to love my kids like they were their own grandkids. Mm. And love my wife and I as if they were their own children. An incredible friendship we have had and I will cherish every moment. There really is no one else in my life whom I could share my innermost thoughts and concerns and not be judged but encouraged and loved. I don't know if I was your best friend but you definitely have been mine. It is going to be hard, and it seems unbearable to do life without you in it. But I pray God will strengthen me, and I promise to love and look after Lynn for you as best I can. I will greatly miss you, my friend, but I am encouraged that I will see you again. So there's, you know, I don't know whether you've got time for another one. There was one from a neighbor Mm-hmm across the street from us, who they ended up coming to the Lord because of Jim. And this one says, Today my neighbour of ten years passed away. His name was Jimmy McMillan. Jimmy wasn't just any neighbour though. Jimmy and his beautiful wife were always there for me and my eldest son. When I was growing up, it was not that I went over there all the time so it wasn't like that. It was the power of his presence in my life that gave me a sense of security. I didn't have my dad growing up, and the person who was meant to be a father figure wasn't a very good one to me. But God blessed me with loving neighbours. I know he was always praying for me and my family. I knew that if I ever needed I could run across the road with my son and he would keep us safe. I knew that when I was being stupid, he would pull my head in and tell me how it was, but with the greatest of love. That was the impact Jimmy had on my life and I will always love him and be thankful for that.
3: Wow.
2: I mean...
1: And there was... Dozens like that, just dozens. I could go on all day reading things that were put up about him.
2: Hmm. I mean, Jimmy was like a hero of the faith. Yeah. I mean, he didn't have a lot of education, only went to school until he was 15 years old, but that's immaterial. He was a, a man who walked his faith and was an example to others.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Any final comments you'd like to share?
1: Uh, We've done many things together one of the things that made such an impact on Jim was when we went to Romania and we were able to go into one of the detention centres there and they were young, tough boys that had done all types of different crimes and Jim got up to give his testimony and the interpreter <laughs> couldn't understand what Jim was saying because Jim and his Oka way of talking so one of the other Romanians stepped in and was helping. And the funny part about it was, even though they were trying to interpret, but he was impacting these young boys and these young tough boys that walked into the room that thought they were just being made come here to sit and listen to these religious people mm-hmm. ended up in tears
3: mm-hmm.
1: and crying and crying on Jim's shoulder. And it was just such such an impact. He's... His whole persona, his whole being was just to help people Mm -hmm. and to lead them to God.
2: Lynn McMillan, thank you so much for sharing about Jimmy's legacy and about your experiences with him as well.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity.
0: That was Eric Scadabo chatting with Lynn McMillan the wife of the late Jimmy McMillan, for over 44 years. And it was amazing to hear the incredible impact Jimmy had on so many people's lives. As Jesus said, There is joy in heaven and in the presence of the angels over one sinner who repents. And now that Jimmy has gone to be with his heavenly Father, there is even more rejoicing. As we heard last time, Jimmy came from a horrendous upbringing filled with abuse and family violence. But he decided to forgive and start helping others instead of turning bitter. At this point, I'm thinking of the parable in the Bible where the ruler says, Well done, my good and faithful servant. I believe that's more or less what the Lord is saying right now up in heaven. Well done, Jimmy. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well, thanks for joining us for Lynn sharing more of Jimmy's story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story.
3: So I was at over 30 hospitals, padded cells, was on drugs to get out of bed, drugs to go to bed, again, smashing up places, attacking nurses, you know, real bag of marbles I was, you know, and uh, it was the alcohol was the number one issue in my life.
0: Kevin Mad Dog Mudford was one of New Zealand's most notorious jailbirds in the 1970s and he also spent time in several psychiatric hospitals. However, his life turned around in an amazing way when he put his faith in the Lord and he's been living on the road for over 35 years as a travelling evangelist. We'll hear Kevin's colourful story next time. The story, just another way vision is connecting faith to life.